Sekiro, Bloodborne, and the notion of getting good. And fuck you if you don't like hard level. I'm looking at you, Sam Thorne, a.k.a. Strippin, a.k.a. Dodger's husband, who I normally like, but you're being a dick about this. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah, the Bizzle. Ethan, uh, the PC Master Race versus the only play on super hard and fuck everyone else for not playing on super hard and or wanting to. I don't know who wins for being the bigger dicks. Although I suspect they're some of the same people. So we will get to Bioware, but I've been listening so much about it. This is actually a more interesting topic for me in the podcast. We'll get to Bioware. Tell me very quickly, and for the listeners who may be more casual, why there's even a debate about the should there be a hard mode, should there not be. I brought up Bloodborne and Sekiro, the From, you know, Souls games, as they're often called, you know, are big proponents of this and the people who love those games. So sketch out the debate, and then I would love to hear your side of this debate. Should there be an easy mode on these super hard games, or is that yeah, part sure. of the experience? Go ahead. So we actually had like a little bit of a debate like this a couple of years ago. Back in 2016, when Cuphead came out, and there was a very similar uh, discussion about this uh, about easy mode in games. Um, and I'm not going to I'm not going to get into Cuphead and any of that conversation, but we did have this a similar conversation like this. Uh, so this is just like a resurfacing of that. So a game called Secure's Shadows Die Twice came out. Uh, was it last month? Last month, um, and it released to wide appraise as most. From software games do. Uh, if you're not familiar with from software games, most from software games uh, are ridiculously difficult, intense, single player, uh, open world experiences, um, uh, most notably the Dark Souls games uh, and Bloodborne. Uh, and so when someone says the Souls series, they are referring to from software's titles. Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, Bloodborne, and now Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. These games all have an a elaborate difficulty curve to them, to the point where you are masochistically forcing yourself to play the game because it is intensely difficult and you are repeatedly dying. Kirk Hamilton, just as an example, on the other day on, on, on the uh, Tukutaku podcast says, a middle Boston secure that's not even towards or at the end took him five to six hours over a Saturday and Sunday to beat this one boss. And he said that was a conservative estimate. And he's a professional video game player. Go ahead. Right. And, and so, and so, and he loved it. He loves the pain by the way, which is yeah. part of what we'll talk about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, these games are just known for this so much so that they have their own relationship term in the industry when pe- pe- people hilariously try to compare their game in some fashion and say this is the s- dark souls of blank right and uh in in many years people have tried to mimic that sort of behavior from the soul series to varying degrees of success 
uh, Cuphead would be the most nominable one. But which they did add another the, mode to with uh, uh, eventually, right? So the Cuphead added easy mode at launch. Mm-hmm. But the thing with the easy mode was once you completed well, it, it, yeah, 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 you were not able to progress yep. at all. You could beat the level on easy mode, yep. but you weren't allowed to progress past. Brief, it. could you briefly describe what makes the Souls games a Souls game? They're third person. They're very, um, you know. Um, uh, for the bosses in particular, you have to memorize long series of moves and, and combos and stuff like that. Describe what makes those three or four series. I mean, I don't know if Dead Souls counts. So Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and now Sekiro. What, 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 what do they have in common other than being really, really hard? Just from a gameplay perspective for listeners who may have heard about this but haven't played them. The, ga- the game just does everything it can to punish you. If you make a mistake... Describe the, the game. game. Sorry, I wasn't clear. Could you just describe like what makes a Dark Souls game a Souls, a Souls game? And that, to, to the point where we even use that as a subgenre now to talk about other games? That, 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 that is the description. No, I mean like physics on, on screen, right? It's, it has to be third person. You, you did describe it. You described it. Oh, I got it. Okay, it's I nailed third, it. It's a, it's a third person. Okay, cool. it's, it's a third person uh, fantasy setting. Gotcha. And uh, with a, a, an elaborate, beautiful, mm-hmm. open world esque slash horror. World. Bloodborne is scary. Horror sometimes. It, it, horror, dark. It, it, the, all of the worlds are dark themes, mm-hmm. most certainly, uh, to varying degrees. Again, the sto- the story is explained based on uh-huh. different. Like, like uh, I say, I take Dark Souls is the most vague. Bloodborne is the like middle kind of vague-ish, and Sekiro is. The least vague of all the games. It has a very open story about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, they're, I mean, they're third-person fantasy setting games, mm-hmm. uh, and you're doing battle with generally oversized versions of like what you normally expect. So, like a, a normal like fantasy knight from a castle, right? It's normally like like five foot seven or something like that. But right. sometimes, like. But a lot of the times they like to take their enemies over the top, and so they'll tower over you. And instead, they'll be like so six two or something like that. Can I can I offer uh, again for 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 casual listeners? I, now now that I know that Dark Souls, especially Bloodborne, has sold many more millions than I was had been aware of, uh, which I do want to talk about, especially Bloodborne being the first major exclusive, and, and the fact that it's a, a, a Souls esque super hard game like Bloodborne is also interesting. We are then going to jump into the should they or shouldn't they in, in regards to easy mode and why some gamers are so militant one way or the other, um, and some aren't. Um, but first, I just wanted to point out, Eth, that if if you've played popular games like The Witcher or um, Monster Hunter World and just made them much more focused, much more kind of scary and bloody and much, much, much harder. Like, I don't know how super hard mode in New Game Plus on The Witcher would compare with terms of combat, um, but it's, you know, it, it, it just for people who want to visualize it in their mind, think about the bosses aren't always physically huge necessarily, right? They can just be very devious as well. Yeah, but it, it, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you when so when you say combat and stuff like that, I don't want to mislead anybody because for most people, you have not played a game like this. Just just period. You just have not because which is the problem. While yeah. it is, it looks it looks like you're play. It, it while it looks like you're playing The Witcher, right? The idea of combat is a totally all the terminology that you're used to is a totally different meaning in any souls game 
combat means so it, it, the, the way you treat combat, the way you treat enemies, the way you to interact with the game entirely is very, very different from how you would treat right. your normal video game. So ima- the, the, the best way to say it is, imagine you're playing The Witcher, but forget everything you know. You're about to go in and die a whole lot. Yeah, I would say, in this, let me put it this way. The final DLC bosses in The Witcher, which come 150 hours into the game, were as hard as the very beginning bosses at the beginning of Bloodborne. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, if you've sure, gotten so far yeah. in these types of games, but haven't played the Bloodborne Souls games, but if you've gotten really far in games like Horizon and Witcher, and played on a hard mode, or just played the really hard end bosses, 100, 250 hours into the game, and you've grinded all there, and you've done these huge, you know, some Horizon fights took me 30 minutes to do without dying, you know? Like, they do require finesse, but the level of coordination but specifically um what we call mimetic learning um, memory-based learning is a big part of it and kirk who is actually i was right dude i I thought kirk hamilton had said he had left kotaku other than the podcast to pursue a music career he is pursuing a music career he says he says you know playing a piano um uh trying to memorize a piano piece is very similar to uh, what what this is and that's part of why he's realized that he loves games like bloodborne and sekiro being a a musician who plays very difficult classical music and jazz is that it's he's says it's like you know it's a more fun a much more fun uh, version of practicing piano five hours to memorize a single piece from beginning to end the processes and the brain are similar the processes and the hands are similar which it seems like an obvious comparison but i hadn't really thought about it does make it more interesting to me now spoiler alert i am very anti the anti easy like i don't know why you don't put a normal mode in these games we're gonna get to that but i want you to keep talking about the games in particular what makes the newest one Sekiro, which most people think is as good or even better than some or most or all of the souls games um, you know what, what you I know you probably haven't played it but you've probably heard some stuff about Sekiro so what makes Sekiro different from the normal Souls Bloodborne game that you understand and then we'll get in the, into the anti versus pro easy mode uh, discussion yeah I mean I'll, I'll do you one better I've watched over three hours of Sekiro, oh cool go so, ahead I haven't uh, I mean the, the, the TLDR of the game is it's uh, it's uh, it's what era of Japan it's, it's way before samurai feudalistic shit. Japan. It's samurai It's shit. way before yeah. feudalistic Japan for those who want to get specific. Yeah. Well, it's impo- it is important because, like, massive groups of art and other, like, values are different in these areas of Japan. So it's important to mention it, but... It's um, where, it's where like, Fire Emblem and a lot of, like, traditional pre-medieval anime is supposed to take place. This sort of semi-mythical, but still with advanced swords and martial arts, but maybe there's some magical-y stuff going on as well, like in the yeah, Prince, I mean, Princess Mononoke, like that kind of thing. It's, 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 a, pre, it's a pre-feudalistic era of Japan, and it, uh, you, you're playing as a shinobu. Yep. Uh, which is basically a ninja samurai is the best way to go about it. You, right. you, you'll get the idea if you watch and play the game. Yeah, but it's you're where games a ninja like samurai, and you're going yeah. around, uh-huh. and you're going around. Um, uh, you, you, the, the, the the opening of the game is your master gets taken from you. And it's your job to rescue your master. Yeah, early samurai um, period. It, it's samurai, but it, yeah, pre. You're right, pre feudal. TLDR. You're going around pre-feudalistic Japan areas and you are murdering the shit out of enemy soldiers and you mean honorably killing I think is what you mean (laughs) nope you're like nope I definitely don't mean that (laughs) no I don't care um sorry I'm just laughing I'm muting myself go ahead you're good you're good uh 
you're, you're just a badass ninja samurai going around murdering people uh, and slaying demons. Like it's it, it's uh-huh. it's an it's a pretty awesome game, and I really I highly recommend mm-hmm. not just for this game, any right. game. So go watch some go watch some gameplay, please. It it's, yeah. it looks awesome, and part of why it looks awesome and why this discussion happens, it, or for why an easy mode discussion happens, is because the game, while it looks awesome, is incredibly difficult incredibly difficult which you would expect as we've just talked up for the past 20 minutes about how souls games are incredibly difficult and whatnot and so people want to play this game i want to play this game i'm sure jesse at some point maybe to a certain degree wanted to play this game yeah until he found out it was a souls game and then he was like no i can't play this game it's way too hard well Here's the thing. So, can I tell you what I've heard about it? Because I've listened to hours about it, even though I haven't watched more than a little bit. It does look beautiful and does look awesome. They all do. Um, Bloodborne was a little little buggy and choppy in places when I played it, right? I wasn't imagining that. Is that typical Souls no. thing? No? It, okay. No, that's just all typical Souls game. Typical Souls game. Typical Souls. Okay. Um, and so what I've heard is, so th- th- with each new Souls game, but then completely new titles like Bloodborne and now this, there's like a new mechanic, right? Now in Bloodborne, you have a gun, and you're, I believe, I, if I remember our discussions, you're supposed to be a little bit more on the offense in Bloodborne than the original Dark Souls games. It varies from game to game. Okay. So the the main differences between the soul the main Souls game and Bloodborne versus Sekiro is unlike unlike uh, the Souls games. In Souls games, you are you can change your loadout, you can change your armor, and armor has all sorts of different effects. Weapons have all sorts of different effects in way that you. Uh, the, one of the big things in Souls games is animations. Um. Basically, the act of your character swinging a cleaver or a, or shoving someone with a halibut, right? Like those are those would cause your character to do different things. Uh, in Sekiro, you don't change your weapon ever. You don't change armor ever because you don't have armor. You so it creates this totally different dynamic where you are going for the 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 style of combat in Sekiro is I am going to knock my opponent off balance. And go for an insta kill attack, and that just defeats that opponent, and then that opponent is dead. In Dark Souls, you have your traditional here's my here's my opponent's health bar. I'm gonna swing at it till it's dead. By the right. way, I'm watching. Like, I know I gave Strippin a hard time because he's militant about these things. I do love him in Dodger. I'm watching Strippin's footage of towards the end game on his channel right now. He's not live, but just so I can get a sense yeah. of it. Keep going, pal. Yeah. Um, so that, that's the main differences. There's a ton more, uh, emphasis on stealth, but it's not necessary to use, um, in these games. Here's, uh, so th- those are kind of like the main differences per se mm-hmm. outside of that, uh, which, ca- which by the way, causes a very different feel for these games. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, there's not really a major, um, difference per se. Uh, it just creates a totally different video game when you just tweak these little tiny things mm-hmm. uh, from mm-hmm. a gameplay perspective. But it definitely feels like a Souls world mm-hmm. to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that answers that question. Absolutely. Um, 
Uh, so I'm watching it. By the way, guys, quick plug. If you are a Google Chrome user, but you are sick of it being slow, having too many things in it, and want to use a faster but basically identical browser that is great with video and has a single-click pop-out video, I'm not getting paid for this because they are not a super big company, although I'd be happy to take their money, is, is the browser Opera, which has been around a long time. I still haven't given enough time on PCs. I think it's good on PCs. It's spectacular on Mac. It has battery-saving features built in. Um, It's close to Safari in terms of how much battery and CPU and so forth it uses, which is little to none, Um, and it is great for this stuff. So I'm able to keep up with my audio here and still have Sam in a window. That's where that came from. It looks beautiful, dude. I love this kind of game. Um, What Kirk said was he felt like in some ways this was like a very uh, more open world than those other Souls games, but there's a couple bosses that you must beat, but when you beat them, it's like (laughs) he said it was something like imagine taking down 10 Assassin's Creed towers at the same time in terms of what it opens up in the world. You know what I mean? You beat a couple of these bosses and he says, then the world opens up into a huge way. And then there's hours and hours of content you can do before having to fight the next big boss. He also says from, and this would be an argument for keeping the super hard mode. He says from has done a great job of making it. So the hardest bosses, when you die inevitably hundreds of times, you start pretty close to, or right at the big boss. ETH, um, uh, as opposed to having yeah, that, to tra- that, that, trek that, 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 30 to 60 minutes, uh, which, and again, this is a guy who's obsessed with, and loves the hard Souls games and talks Bloodborne's his favorite video game, he says, and he's loving Sekiro. He says as much or more as Bloodborne so far. He loves this game, but he does say, again, being someone who's only a part-time video game person now, pursuing music, again, he spent, spent a whole weekend doing it, but he liked that, you know, he, he with, the, with the hardest of the hard bosses, which he was going to already spend five to six hours on, taking away that 60 to 120 seconds even, man, of running there adds up. I mean, if you die 100 times and it takes two to five minutes to get to the place, that is a lot of time saved. So I I certainly... Um, uh, I certainly um, um, applaud them for that. So let's start there, Eth. Let's start there. Tom, can, can you lay out the get good slash hard mode only master race um, point of view? Um, and it's not just streamers. Streamers have an invested interest, by the way, uh, Ethan. I'm sure you've thought about this in games being super hard because then people have to go to their or feel like they have to go to their stream more because it's more entertaining because they'll get learning out of it. Um, and because a lot of people like me will happily watch Sam be a total lunatic for 20 hours and not buy the game myself. That being said, I did watch, hold on, hold on. That being said, I did watch Jesse Cox's almost complete playthrough of horizon zero dawn other than the end before I played through 150 hours myself. And it became my favorite video game of all time. I also saw Jesse Cox and Dodger play life is strange all the way through before playing my own in this in the prequel so i'm not necessarily the person um let's save the streaming part for now start with the get good hard mode only thing it just explain again to listeners who by the way might have grown up with nintendo games which are very hard um and certainly were known back in the day to be super hard um but they used to be hard because they could only fit three hours of content on a a cartridge and so they needed you to die over and over again to make it worth it now they can actually make it hard you know on a more substantive level um and so what what, where's the argument there um uh, uh, can can you lay out the argument before you take a side or or are you just going to do it all at once okay go ahead go ahead however i don't want to put the streamer thing aside you're putting 
you're thinking way too hard on that. Yeah, no, no one thinks that. I, I'm no happy for you to debate that, but we need to we need to educate the audience first. It's just because I'm watching Strippin, and he's been very militant online about this particular topic. We, I'm happy sure, to sure, talk sure. about it I later. Just, I just, I just yeah. wanted to say to that, I'm, I'm going to crush that. No, no chance. Sorry. Um, uh, oh, you're saying you're saying streamers don't have uh, a vested interest in games. Streamers don't have a vested interest okay. in making sure video games stay okay, hard. Pause, no, pause, want- pause, stop, bookmark, file for next for next uh, part of the chapter. Let's get the argument first, buddy. And you're you are the best person on the Bizzlecast as usual for this kind of argument. But make it no, for I'm, people I'm, who I'm, have only real. played casual yeah. before. Yep, go ahead. Real. All right. So here's here, here's the main argument. Here's the main argument. Question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Here's here's the deal. So you've got you've got an extremely hard game. I let's say I as someone am never going to play this game because I know it's way too hard for me. But if I know that there's a way for me to enjoy the game on an easier difficulty, then I can select the beauty of the game and say, "Listen, I'm not that interested in like going super sweaty on this game." I'm really just interested in getting the story out of it or getting the experience of playing the game because I want to feel like a badass or something, right? Listen, that... I'm sorry, I need to cycle you back a little bit. I need to cycle you back a little bit. Because most people grew up, again, on simple, simpler games like Nintendo, where Mario, you wouldn't think for there to be necessarily, uh, you know, platformers, for example, it would be hard to put in a difficulty even if you wanted to, I guess, limit number of enemies. But I'm talking about people who have grown up like me, or not grown up, but have mostly played games like Witcher, Call of Duty, like shooters and third-person action RPGs, Uncharted, etc., where you can almost always, even God of War, Game of the Year, you can get do get an easy mode on that, which was not historically true about um, Game of War. So I'm going to start there. Um, the well, fact that there the would thing, be the, specifically not a um, like like it wasn't that Nintendo in the early days. Eth, sorry, I just had to finish this thought. Um, it wasn't that Nintendo in the early days was like, oh, we're only doing super hard modes with Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda. No, they were just hard games, and we just all dealt with it one way or the other. Now there's a very conscious thing from developers, especially from software, who we've been talking about, of like we're specifically want to lose sales to the wider mass public by not offering a mode for for normal people. Go ahead. Well, he, he, here's the here's the important thing about what you just said. While while people's backgrounds in video games are important to what they play, right? This is such a gamer centric issue that the backgrounds matter less, and because it's such a 50-50 issue, you're either on one side or you're on the other. People people like certain type of games, right? I'm only going to invest in certain type of products every year because I enjoy those types of games. You're only going to invest in certain type of project every, uh, uh, products every year because those are the games you like to play. And for for every person who is a video gamer, they have certain circumstances that limit that that limit them to playing certain games. Sometimes some people want an easy mode because they work a nine to five job and they get tired when they come home and they just want to play through something and feel like a badass. Some people actually are that bad at video games and want to experience it and that's why they want an easy mode it's totally dependent on a person's situation but one way or another everyone is on one side or the other no i understand and i want so, to get so, your so opinion great, but i need so, i need so, you to so, flesh no, out but, the but, mechanics but, of of even what goes into the thinking about such a thing go ahead 
Right. Anyway. Right. Anyway. But did you understand the point I was making about how like this wasn't a discussion in the 80s and 90s because games were just either hard or not? It wasn't discussed on such a high philosophical level. Whereas now it's a very conscious thing that some games are like, no, whether it's an indie or a triple A or partial triple A hard game, that that's part of, I guess what we're trying to get us to lead to is the argument is it's not the same game. It's not the game we want it to be unless it's this hard, which is, which is a, a good argument. I just want you to flesh that out. I was I was trying to get there. Yeah, yeah. I just I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure why you were going with the with the history story. That's all. That's to, that's for the old old people my age, you know, who inevitably okay. compare everything to Nintendo in in the early nineties, basically. Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. But you understand okay. what I'm saying about you know, like right. there are games that are just hard because that's the game, but no one talks about it. But then there are games where you get these big discussions about it. And that's what's going on here. I just want to separate yeah, I, between the two. I was just fleshing out what you were saying so you could keep moving forward. So go ahead, bud. Okay. Um, I'm just getting sales numbers here for the Souls games as you go. Sure, sure. Hey, so for people, for one reason or another, right? As I described, some people want an easy mode in video games, specifically. Uh, and and so for games like Call of Duty, that's just a norm. People that that, that that's always been there. People will continue to expect that out of those games, right? Games like that. But for games like Dark Souls, where or the Souls series, I should uh, clarify, there's never like, like there's no difficulty option in those type of games. You boot up the game, you press start, you're in the game. There's none of this difficulty adjustment. Bethesda titles, you can adjust the level of the enemies. Uh, Point of so order. Uh, sorry, have uh, really quick. Uh, uh, to, Call of Duty games do have tons of difficulty sliders, and even normal is, that's what I said, is yeah. pretty easy. That's oh, I, I thought you said doesn't. I misheard you. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. My bad. Yeah, like you, for the for the Call of Duty campaigns, you can boot up the game and select just yeah. wimpy easy mode. Yep. And just shoot, just run through the level and shoot everything. Yeah. Like I'm saying, even normal but, and even hard, if you have a computer, can be easy with the Call of Duty games. It's like the other way. It, yeah. And and, and 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 so difficulty is totally subjective, right? And so here's mm-hmm. the thing. Here's the thing. People have been upset at from software because they do not want to include an easy mode in their games. And so the discussion has arised. Should all games include an easy mode for those people who want to play that way? And what the easy mode people would say is, listen. I just want to play the game, right? I don't want to have to treat this game like it's the sweatiest festival time. I just want to come home and enjoy this experience. I want to enjoy the story and I want to run around the world and I want to have fun with it, right? And it's not taking any skin off your back that I'm playing easy mode, right? Like you don't have to play on easy mode if you don't want to. And then the people who say, no, there should not be an easy mode come in and say, well, no, because the developer shouldn't have to be forced to make something so that they can play your so that you can play their game. However, they make the game is how they make the game. It is an, an artistic expression. And in addition, for games like Dark Souls, I can personally say, like from my my personal perspective, that if an Isima was added to any of the Dark Souls games, I would be like. Well, I feel like my achievement has been diminished because someone was able to do the thing that I did 
but yep. in a much easier way and still get to experience it. Yep. I earned the right to experience this thing because I played the game enough so that I could beat it. And so this is where this argument really comes into play. Sure. Do you respect a developer and their decision? Mm-hmm. Or do you do, do, do you give the do you give the consumer what they want mm-hmm. or some consumers what they want? Mm-hmm. And so personally, I fall in line, if it isn't clear by now, on the do not just add an easy mode to every game just because mm-hmm. side, because quite personally, a video game is not fun to me if it is not challenging. Mm-hmm. And to me, it diminishes my achievement by playing a game. If everyone can just experience it, and I was I, I out of self satisfaction was forced to experience it on a harder difficulty, and I'm the only one, or I am one of the few versus mm-hmm. everybody else. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to experience the same thing I'm experiencing. Yep. For these types of games, because that is what makes these games fun. Video games to me and for many people are only fun because they are challenging. Mm-hmm. That is the in- inherent attraction to games is that they are a challenge for someone to overcome. Jesse, you are experiencing this firsthand because I'm uh, like when I'm watching your Destiny gameplay, I'm like, it's like uh, I, it's can't, nothing, I can't though. handle it. I can't handle it's, it. You know what though? I'm not, I'm paying so little thing. attention to to Destiny compared to playing a game like Bloodborne. Um, I, I mean, I, I know I'm totally sloppy yeah. and I need to I need to ramp up, but Destiny Two has not been a super challenge, honestly. It, it's it's no, no, but, not been a but, frustrating but, but challenge but for me whatsoever. You, I, I'm, what, what, I've never what, thought about what, stopping, which I did with Bloodborne almost immediately, yeah. But that, that's not the comparison I'm trying to get to. No, I understand. And, and feel free to tell play. the audience about how much I suck at Destiny 2. I'm just telling you right. mentally, right. I found Destiny 2 very relaxing as opposed to Bloodborne or even trying to play a game like um, Horizon. I tried to play a hard mode at one point and it was like, this is a little too much for a game that I just want to fuck around in. If Destiny was too much harder, I wouldn't still be playing. Um, right. so, and so, yeah. so what, what I'm trying to get at is for all video games, not just, not just the Soul Series. Like The Soul Series is such an intense experience you were supposed to be focused at all times while playing that type of game. I'm also way over leveled. When I'm watching when I'm watching you play Destiny sometimes, it's like I can't handle this. Like I don't see how this guy's gonna be raid ready in time oh, by the yeah, time I'm he not. beats the campaign. I'm not. Because I just feel because when I watch your skill versus say to what an average person yeah. needs to have, I'm like mm-hmm. yep. right? But that but mm-hmm. that's the difficulty curve. Mm-hmm. Right for video games, and if Destiny had an easy mode slider, so yep. you could just play the video game to do the raid, that would diminish the idea of doing a raid. Yep. That would diminish the idea of playing the game for okay. a challenge. You enjoy the game so much yep. because it challenges you just enough yep. to the point where you're enjoying the game, mm-hmm. and it's a challenge for you. Can I make the, the Destiny time. connection? Exactly this. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, which is. Um, the reason I'm overleveled in Destiny is not just because I told you I was going to overlevel because I always do in action RPGs, but because it's replaced the 3DS and Switch and stuff as like something I can do at night, just shoot bad guys while I'm listening to podcasts that I'm editing, man. Like, you may or may not like that that's the case, but I love that I can go into just do community stuff for two hours while I'm listening to a podcast where I normally would be twiddling my thumbs. Now, when I play, part of the reason I stream the missions, and God bless you for watching me, you certainly don't need to. I know I suck compared to the people you watch and to you, but 
part of the reason you know I save the missions, but I stream it, is so that it forces me to focus. Now, the problem is I sometimes either don't warm up before the missions or I have played too much nonsense beforehand and then tired. So I need to start finding it, you know, like only warming up for 10, 20 minutes and then going into the mission, I think is, is yeah. ideal. The problem is, Ethan, I'm so overleveled that I can experiment with weapons and afford to be sloppy. This is exactly the argument for the get good hard mode only thing, right? Which is if I couldn't overlevel and I just had to get good at beating things, then I would be forced to concentrate and I would get better. And so I'm, I am definitely getting less good than I should be as a level 28 warlock with almost everything I need in destiny right now because I overleveled. Now, what happens in, in Witcher in Horizon is that at a certain point, it doesn't matter how high you level. You're going to face huge, difficult bosses that no amount of leveling is going gonna, is gonna to change. I don't know if that happens in Destiny. I like that. I like being over-level through most of my RPGs, but then still having some challenges. Yes, Destiny is a little on the easy side when you over-level, I, more than I thought. So I'm even though I don't agree with the hard mode only thing, this would be an argument for hard mode only, is that it would force me, if Destiny was even 50% harder, and I couldn't overlevel as much would force me to quote unquote get good, right? Get ready, it will. Um, Wait, what? It will. Oh yeah, it will. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. But, oh but, yeah, it will. But, but, um, but this is self critique. Like you agree with what I'm saying, right? Was that if I if I oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm agreeing. If it was I'm harder, agreeing. I'd be getting better. And, yeah. And I, I, I want to tie this back into the the hard mode thing. It, 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 there shouldn't be easy mode, right? Here's the thing. Dark Souls, if it's not at the top, it's in the top three of or the Souls the Souls games. They are definitely in the top three, top five, top ten, whatever, whatever list you want to go on. Right? They are in the upper atmosphere as far as difficulty for video games is concerned. Mm-hmm. And so, part of part of what is p- p- part of why I feel this conversation is so absurd. Is because not our conversation. You mean the conversation we're talking about? Yeah, right. Because it needs to be talked about. But I agree that it's absurd. Part of why the easy mode argument is so absurd to me, not 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 just on a personal level where I feel like my achievement gets diminished Uh or anything. You're you're asking what what the what the easy mode people argument is asking for is you're asking for the upper echelon of hard video games to come down from that pedestal when there is an achievement to gain we as gamers rise up to meet it we don't drag it down so that we can just get it done and finished with and so it's it i don't it, sure that that's the main reasons why i'm on the the hard the the hard difficulty side other reasons minor reasons include basically why would i why would i want the people who work so hard on their art of a video game to spend more time making something that I will never use. Right. If, if the developers of a game have to spend development time making something that I would never use rather than an easy mode that I will never play versus putting more of that, all that dev time into making the main game better. I'd rather than make the main game better. Right. There are so many sides at which putting an easy mode in a game diminishes gaming in general. And I just feel like... So why are you just playing hard? Can I I ask the one question that everyone asks off the bat? 
This is the only... Let me put it this way. While I side with giving me a normal mode, not an easy mode, just a normal, like what would be considered hard in a Horizon or a Witcher, I'll make that the normal mode, and then the, their normal mode, which is super hard. This is my only rock-solid argument, Ethan, which is if you want to play on what they consider to be the normal mode, how does it hurt your experience if you can choose to pick that at the beginning of the game and never think about it again? It, I, I don't understand that. And from their perspective, it's leaving money on the table. But I'm going to get sales. I got sales numbers you are going to like to support your argument. However, I want to ask you, if you can pick, if there's a thing at the beginning of the game, before you even start it, it says, this game is meant to be played in normal mode. It's meant to be super hard. That's our normal mode. If you want to be a pussy, the way, by the way, the id software guys, you know, would come up with very demeaning names for playing easy or even normal mode on the early Wolfenstein and Doom games. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I mean, and, and they would find ways throughout the campaign to call you a pussy or make you feel like a pussy um, for playing on easy mode, but they would let you do it. So answer this one question, um, and then I'm happy to have the argument. The one question I cannot understand is you as a player, they let you know that it's meant to be played on their normal mode, which is the normal Sekiro Dark Souls thing. And like Cuphead, you'd only have access to the whole game by doing it. But we're going to let you play some or most of the game on easy mode if you want. We'll give you a hard time about it. Like, I don't understand how that cheapens your experience as a player. So for a game like Dark Souls, where I'm going to put six hours in, dedicated to learning the animations and animations and attack patterns of a boss so that I can defeat it. If you were able to walk into that room, that boss room and beat that boss first try without ever having to experience but it's not the same 99%, 99% of the bullshit that I had to go nope, through to beat that boss. Not buying it. I feel like it Sorry. diminishes my experience. But that's, that's it's not the same game. Now, if I'm playing on easy mode, it's literally not the same game. It's not the same boss. It looks the same, but it's not. So that that, that that's that's actually a perfect point. Here's the perfect Thank point. You. If it's no, no. <laughs> it's, 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 don't worry. Don't worry. It's about to reverse back into your face. If it's no it longer the does. same game, Jesse. That's what she said. Jesse, yeah. uh-huh. Jesse, if it's no longer the same game, why are you playing this game? Because I want to experience the world building. Because it will it lo- be more enjoyable yeah, for you. Yeah, dude. That is the point. Nah. That is the point. Right. But this is just, this is assuming two things. You e- want an easy experience. Okay. Ethan, this Why is- are you playing personal if you want an enjoyable, relaxing experience? Can I give you one? Can I give you one? This is an actual personal anecdote, which I'm sharing. The listeners know that I, I, I suffer from some issues. I talk about this stuff openly. I'm going to be honest. I'm not what you would call an accessibility person in general in games. But I do at certain points because of like a medication I'm taking or just like a mood or something actually have trouble with fine motor skills. It doesn't affect my driving skills. It doesn't affect playing sports and stuff like that, but it does affect Twitch things. Okay. And so there are a lot of people out there. They're having to invent entire new sets of controllers for people who have major, not even handicapped people, but just major accessibility issues having to do with brain or brain to finger. So that's an argument right there. It's like, sorry, if you're not, if you're not, hold on. Sorry. If you don't have the, uh, the gaming equivalent of 2020 vision, I mean, if I don't have 2020 vision, I can't force my eyes to, you know what? The longer you force your eyes to try and get better when they're not getting better, actually the worse they get. So I don't get glasses. My eyes actually get worse. 
course, trying to force myself to look and not get glasses. I'm sorry. It, you're you're discriminating against a, a large portion of the society that doesn't even officially handicap, but might have some psychological or, uh, in my case, sort of what they call psychosomatic kind of issues where the brain doesn't always fire to my fingers. Okay, okay. I, will, I, will, I want to jump in and jump in with that point with you, okay? And by the way, so, audience, before Ethan responds, I am not saying Ethan hates handicapped people. That's not what's happening No, I don't, I don't hate I don't handicapped people. Yeah. Now, I want to jump in with you on this, okay? This is one point I do fully understand. I'm actually very much supportive of. But I would, I would say accessibility is different than just giving someone an easy vote, okay? Sure. I am all for making sure developers are forced to either a allow or create an, a, a recommended set of accessibility controls for uh, controllers for people who have disabilities or whatever else they need so they can play a video game right I am all down for that like like, like that that should be standard right now yep. or be or be whatever your whatever piece of plastic you're playing on has the ability for you to map buttons or inputs to whatever controller you need to. So if you're someone who is using that awesome disability Xbox controller, give those people a way to map the controls of that controller. Ethan, as usual, go ahead. I'm sorry, does Sony have a disability <laughs> controller? What controller am I supposed to reference for Sony if it doesn't fucking exist, Jesse? Hey, you call me out. I had to call you out. But keep going. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for our video podcast because then we can just give each other the finger and communicate everything that is trying to be communicated. Yeah. Um, I agree with you, by the way, that accessibility is a should be a um, almost like a legal requirement for some of this stuff. Although right. I can come up with arguments against it, maybe, but I agree that it's different. I, but I did want to bring that in, and I'm not, by the way, asking for this for myself whatsoever. I'm just saying I can relate to people who can't get good, even if they have the time and patience. That's all I'm saying. I could. No, I, I, yes. I agree with you. No, but no, no. I know you agree with me, but I would But you know me. I'm just telling the audience. I'm making. I'm not making the accessibility issue with myself. I was only sharing some personal anecdotes to say that right. I know what it right. feels like to like not have your hands move sometimes, but I, I would never like say that or that be, needs to be made for times. me. Or pressing the X button three times. Exactly. Now I love jumping. I love jumping so much. I specifically chose my special skill so I can shoot from the air. <laughs> my, how things change. Um, so, so mm-hmm. I'm so glad you pointed I, out the, the, the Microsoft actually, controller, by the if, way, by the if, way, if, if the argument, if the argument turned into from software has to make sure that everybody or that from software has to make sure that its buttons are key mappable no right. matter what piece of plastic you're playing on. Absolutely. I'm down for that. And every video game developer should have to have some way mm-hmm. for whatever controller you're playing with mm-hmm. has to be key mappable with their game. Mm-hmm. So you could change the keys mm-hmm. of any button, any trigger, whatever. Mm-hmm. Foot pedal. Like, like it. Ha- you have to create a way for every person mm-hmm. to be able to play your game key mappably. Okay. However, I do not find the accessibility thing yep. to be an argument and this is where we're gonna to put it. an easy mode in a video game. Yep. Just and this is where stop. I start defending from software. You ready? This is where Go I'm going to start defending. Because I told you I only had one unassailable point, and it essentially came down to accessibility, and you just addressed that. So that was my only unassailable against. Here's my argument for why people should shut up and stop caring about an easy mode. One, 
There's been a bazillion Game of the Award, a Game of the Year award winners and contenders the past few years that are open world third person action RPGs that you and I talk about all the time, from Zelda to Horizon to Witcher to Dragon Age, blah 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 blah. You can have a, an experience like this that you don't need to play every single third person action RPG. That is one. The the one A to that, Ethan, is. Okay, let, let me let's talk about let's sales real quick. Okay, this my second argument. I would call it one A. My second argument has to do with the numbers don't lie. And when a game sells well, despite openly being super hard, then then they should keep doing what they're doing. Dark Souls one, two, and three all sold roughly about the same in the first few years. Do you want to guess? I'll give you a hint. It's between one and ten million. Um, and if you get within a million or, or so, I'll give it to you. I want to guess five. Um, they sold around three, although the long tail of Dark Souls 3 has it probably closer to five and maybe higher. So that was a great guess. But one and two each sold at least three million units. Okay? Yeah. So I, 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 I guess that's solely on Bloodborne sales. And Bloodborne's well, hold on. We're getting seven mil after hold all on. the years. Hold on. Like hold on. This is where it gets interesting, Heath. This is where it gets really interesting. So Dark Souls 1, available on most systems, right? PC, PS3, Xbox 360. I'm not talking about the re-release, original release. X- Dark Souls 2... You know what system is that released on? Uh, Xbox 360, PS3, and then had a re-release on 1 and uh, 4, correct? It was one of those tweeners, like uh, Tomb Raider and Dragon Age Inquisition. It was on both was PSs, really? both Xboxer, Xboxers it, is, is and the, Windows. Is the Xbox version called Scholar of the First Sin? I believe that's what it's called. They said it was released for all five of those systems at once in April 2015. Other, other than... Um, Interesting. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. After some initial delays, was on Windows only in 2014, and then a year later, retitled Scholar of the First Sin, literally exactly yeah. a year later, 2015 of April, was re-released on Windows and then released for both Xboxes and both Playstations. And that's considered the weakest of the ones and also the easiest, I believe, of the Dark Souls games. <laughs> Uh, it is considered the easiest. Type easiest. There's the most mixed reviews from what I can see here. Um, Dark Souls 3 is agreed upon to be the one that really was a breakthrough, though. Um, and so while I can only get numbers from a few years ago, it would stay into reason based on how many it sold out the gate and the fact that it just keeps being played, keeps being played, keeps being played, and is the one, one, the only Dark Souls game that I know a lot of casuals have played, so I have to imagine it's well over 3 to 5 million, but it's definitely somewhere to 3 to 5 and maybe more. Here's where it gets interesting, Ethan. Here's where it gets interesting. We talked about PlayStation exclusives. You rightly pointed out Bloodborne was the turning of the corner of PlayStation exclusives, right? Came out... 2015, almost simultaneously throughout the globe, the PlayStation 4. I have a lot of articles. I've sent you some. I've read. I've. I'm sorry. I've read a lot of articles. I sent you some of them. I've read some of the articles I've sent you. I've read parts of most of the articles I sent you. But will you talk very quickly about why Bloodborne was a big deal in early 2015, both as a game, but also the fact that they decided to go exclusive from From Software, which they had not done to that date. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it was it, like, like for for at the time of Bloodborne's release, there was not a major breakthrough game on either side of the aisle that would have said, "Yeah, I need to buy this console in order to play these games." Bloodborne was the standout first game in a massive lineup of games that would come in the following years from the Sony PlayStation Four that would 
absolutely declare itself the winner of this generation. That was the importance of Bloodborne. Do you remember, like, was it controversial? Because, I mean... Not only did Bloodborne it was controversial for anybody who bought an Xbox One. Well, let sure. me just yeah. give, let me give the with the hind, with the benefit of hindsight, and then we'll cast ourselves back four years. It was the first major uh, from release since Dark Souls Three. It was a completely new universe and system, even though it shared some things with Dark Souls Three. It was the first major exclusive. You would think the first major exclusive or three. Oh my God! There's a giant snake. It's Sekiro. Just scared the shit out of me. Damn you, stripping. Um, uh. But you have to admit, it's interesting that a Get Good game was the first one to not only be a, a major uh, release for them, was all the way back in 2015. I hadn't remembered until 2016 them having a major um, uh, exclusives. You pointed out to me, uh, it was definitely Bloodborne early 2015. You are definitely right. Um, do you want to guess how much this Dark souls D but not Dark Souls game by the same company, man, sold out the gate and how many they believe have been sold to this date? On the PlayStation was, 4, initially. I, I know I know it was a mill in the first month, which is a, a fair, yep. a fair uh, Nailed it. common standard. Nailed it. And it was, I, th- I want to say, seven over time. Okay. So if you go to gearnuke.com, which isn't a particularly good site, November 2018, they have estimated 11 million people have played Bloodborne. Not own, have played it. How did they get to this number? Well, they say that they, there were 630,000 platinum trophies as of the end of last year, um, which is 5% um, of, of uh, sorry, which they knew that there was 5.5% of users had the platinum trophies, and they knew how many they were, so they did the math, and that's over 11 million gamers. But they talk about how, you know, it was free for a while, and some people have, have platinumed it on multiple accounts or multiple times with different accounts, you know what I mean? So right. even with all that, Ethan, a conservative estimate of not owners, but people who have played through uh, Bloodborne is in the seven, eight, nine million range, which again, for what was initially a PS4 up until very recently is an unbelievable amount of money and was the beginning of Sony dominating with its exclusives. But it wasn't an Uncharted or Horizon, which is made for everybody. It was specifically a get good game. So one of the biggest arguments to keep letting From do get good hard games and stop bitching about it is they're selling copies and the people who play it love it. And there's, it's, look, let's put it this way, Eth. If every game started being like Bloodborne and Dark Souls, there'd be a problem and the games would not all be selling 3 million copies. But this is a niche that needs to be filled by hardcore gamers. And that is part of the game, as you pointed out. It's not just about the pretty graphics and music and so forth. So that, to me, the sales numbers and the love that people have for the games is the biggest reason to say, don't change anything from software. Keep giving it to the people or do a Cuphead thing, you know, for other companies and everyone else just shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, mean, but... uh it, ah, I that, bet that, you didn't that, expect that, me to be on the pretty, get good that, side, that, did that, you? Yeah, did yeah. No, you no, didn't think I was going to be on the get good side. That's pretty good till you are. I mean, I was just yelling at Strippin earlier, just to be clear. Not that he listens or cares. He does this full time and is amazing. It's, it's great. Uh, the reason I was yelling at Strippin was, was the aggro. He was the, you could tell, stressed out dad streamer aggro. He was letting loose on Twitter. But again, if you follow Strippin online in any form, getting abused by him is part of his shtick. It's the opposite of Dodger, who just loves everybody. So, you know, Sam is the get good hard mode of, of YouTube streamers, to, to be frank. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, simply put, it's just I feel like there are more important things 
And he, mm. it, this, this is just the nail in the coffin. There is more important things. No, wait, that, well, then we're worrying about in the gaming yeah. industry mm-hmm. than a quality of life for so few, and uh, and a like a, a potentially harmful thing such as adding an easy mode. Totally. To, to games that do not need them. Let's not call it and harmful. Not only, not only do not need them. Let's not, not call it harmful. Not need yeah. them, but just just guns are harmful. <laughs> Easy modes are not harmful. Wouldn't that be funny if it said at the bottom you start a Dark Souls game? It says no people were killed in the killing or, or like no civilians were killed in the destruction of the easy mode in this game or something. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> Which is true. People, everyone relax all around. There's bigger problems, even though I want to bridge to bigger problems with a serious subject with BioWare, but I'll give you final thought on the get good. Like I said, other than my accessibility point, I have zero problem with this. I don't like aggro people in general in life. So people who want to brag about, you know, you, it, it, and throw aggro on us because we're not good enough to play. That's, you know, that's what kind of bothers me. But the games themselves being only hard, I think is great especially if we can keep getting game for us normal people out there to enjoy, like Destiny, Horizon, and The Witcher. No, and here's, here's the fascinating thing about, 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 about the whole aggro thing. Do you remember that time you streamed Bloodborne? Yeah. You had seven viewers. You had seven people show up, yeah. strangers. And you told me that up. was the best. You said to me that was the best I've ever seen you play on stream before, by far. You said it at the time, and you the said it since then. Yeah. The Souls community isn't... It, most of the souls community is not a bunch of assholes most of the souls community is a very nice group of people but even you were being nice to me and you're never nice to me but even you were being nice to me when i was playing bloodborne it was great (laughs) i was a different person Um, (laughs) yeah but like, like, but that goes back to like Destiny encouraging point. you. Yes. They, they, they were watching you figure this stuff well, out they, the first Because they know time. also they were yelling at you. Because they know they also I have enough stresses on screen. And so if they want me to stay in that community and keep playing the game they love so much, then it doesn't benefit anyone for them to backseat and you know be in my face too much. And, no, yeah. but that, that's one of the things these people like doing. They just love watching people play Souls games and yeah. figure stuff but out. He, no, but I'm being what? serious because I did just listen to the podcast where we talked about it. And you actually said you were like you were like I hate to say it, but you were actually pretty good. If you had just gotten past that first boss, you probably would have really been able to make a run or whatever. Um, and that goes back to my initial point of me not having to get super good on Destiny because it's a game you can zone out on. Bloodborne, I really had to concentrate, and that was probably like the best hour in terms of skill I've played in video games in the last five years for sure. Because I had to, to do anything. Um, And and it is rhythmic. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to second Kirk Hamilton's point from earlier. This is another point in favor of the super hard mode only is it is like learning a musical instrument. And again, there's accessibility issues with learning instruments. Um, But in general, you know, whether it's an hour, if you're a genius or five hours to learn a piano piece, if you're a normal person, it just takes practice. And he said, he described this as the most rhythmic of the souls games. He said it could, at times it's the hardest Sekiro that is, but because as a musician, he found it so rhythmic with the blocking and pairing with the sword that he really enjoyed it as a musician, which to me, even though this looks cool of the samurai murdering apes and monkeys, and apparently they like to kill dogs, and all the Dark Souls games as well. Whoops. Um, but uh, um, does that make sense, though, it being a rhythmic kind of musical game? I mean, they all are, but he felt like this one especially was. Uh, I, I'd have to play it. But did you feel, but you, but when you played Bloodborne and or Dark Souls, did you feel like it was, uh, you know what I mean, like hitting that same part of your brain a little bit? Definitely. Or it's I mean, more memory. Is it more memory than rhythm? More rhythm than memory or both? 
Depends. It depends on how you're... Because we want people to play these games, by the way, guys. Like, you know, I wanted to start with the anti-point, but in general, Ethan and I are on the same page, and I want to get good at Bloodborne and play that game again. God damn it. So. I'm, I'm much more of a reactionary person. Uh, okay. So, pro- so probably definitely more memory for me. So memory for, mixed music, with instincts. For, 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 yep. for a practiced musician, mm-hmm. definitely. Like, yeah, I can see why that taps in. Mm-hmm. Cool. I do, um, do want to borrow Bloodborne again, man, because... The thing is, even though I love fucking around on Assassin's Creed, first of all, thank you for getting me to, to Destiny. Not, <laughs> but yes. Um, also, you've ruined all first-person shooters for me, including Call of Duty, which handle like jank compared to fucking Destiny. So there's that. Um, but I, I don't really want to play through um, like all my Uncharted games again and stuff. Um, and so the next best thing is to play Bloodborne, you know, which is a third-person action RPG that requires some skill. So, I, I, I mean, to balance out my Destiny addiction, which will continue, I, I would need a third-person game. And Bloodborne seems like, I know it seems like a weird thing to, to, to do uh, when I'm not doing Destiny. But based on our conversation, it's actually maybe the thing I need to help with my concentration a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yep. We all have different levels of skill, but I do want to point we out all, we, the we fact all, that you're we all we all, we yeah. all enjoy different things and right. all these things. Stem well, and together. that's that's where the non-accessibility debate again. I think we can all can agree accessibility and handicap options should always be available. But the real debate is like the it's like should we have honors levels and non-honors levels in schools? Right? Are you born smart? Do you get smart? Sort of similar with video games. Should we just assume that any normal person that doesn't have any major disabilities playing a thousand hours could eventually get the games? You know what I mean? It's. I guess that was the main point I wanted to make was that even if we say we're cool with these super hard games and even if we say there should maybe be accessibility options, I don't like the notion, like, we should just say the truth, man, which is not everybody can get good. That when you get older, even if you're perfectly physically, I can tell you right now, playing video games when I'm 16 and playing video games now, it's not the same thing. You know, your reaction time slows down. We know that from science. There's a reason the best athletes and normal athletes are in their 20, teens and 20s. I mean, in baseball, athletes tend to go downhill after 27, 28, 29 years old, Ethan, you know? So I, I, I almost wish people were more honest about it and stop being like, you just need to get good and be like, you're just not good enough for this game. Move on. There's a thousand other good games. I wouldn't be insulted by that. I would appreciate someone saying that rather than insinuating that I was lazy somehow for not getting good. What? Yeah. It, this is not you, by the way, is, or anyone I know well. That's just no, certain no, no, people I mean, online. Yeah. Part, part of it is a meme, right? And some people have to face reality with me, but it's it, yeah. we, gaming is an evolving culture, mm-hmm. obviously. It's very it's it's very young mm-hmm. as far as entertainment is concerned. Absolutely. Um, can I so bridge, can we, I bridge we, here? We, 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 I have a good bridge. We we'll continue to have the, the, yes. these things. Yes. We should probably move on. Yes, to but I have, I have a great bridge. I have a great bridge. I have a great final bridge. Thought. Okay. Final thought. Final okay. thought. Okay. Then we really need to get to final Bioware. Thought. Go ahead. Final thought. Get good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. So here's the bridge, ETH. So I've been listening back on podcasts. Okay. And I, I, I'm, guys, I'm going to be totally transparent here. If you need me to email you the links to these specific podcasts, I'd be happy to. What I'm about to do is not to say I am a prophet or I'm a super genius because I'm also going to point out the places I was wrong. But I 
very early in our podcast with the early, the relatively early announcements. And we will find out, by the way, Ethan, that in early 2017, both Anthem and Fallout 76 were just going into final the production and were still in early development phase, even though they were technically five years in project. Not knowing that, knowing Bethesda's record and knowing EA's record of ruining studios and knowing Bethesda's record of ruining their own projects, I predicted that both Fallout 76 and Anthem would be disasters. Unfortunately for everybody else, and especially the people that work there, I was right about both those things. Now, where I was not right, Ethan, which I said last time, but I will restate, was Old Man Sky and Sea of Thieves. Um, You were very strong. You felt Sea of Thieves was going to get good early on, so props to you on that. Um, Old Old Man Sky, it it was hard for anyone to be positive on release of that, because it was so they plainly lied about what was going to be in the launch, but you knew a lot more about the game and were more confident that they would work out those issues. Now, Ethan, you've pointed out, obviously, No Man's Sky is not a live service game. It's a little bit different, but in terms of the story of these companies the last couple of years of games being released to shit, the various levels of lies or just missing or lack of information, right? We can, I think Old Man's Sky can bring in here. I was wrong that that game would get good. Or, I'm sorry, I was wrong predicting that Old Man's Sky wouldn't get good. There's two differences, though, between these examples, Ethan, from where I was right and when I was wrong. And this is where we're going to get into Bioware. The reason I was uh, I was right about EA and Fallout I, was because it was well before the release, and I was going on the reputations of and the big promises of these uh, AAA developers, which increasingly were shits, and the lack of them giving us a lot of info, gameplay, betas, etc. Ahead of time, it just screamed to me. I believe I called Anthem a year ago Daikatana, and it appears that Daikatana did much better than Anthem at the moment, but I referred to it as a John Romero situation uh, with, with Anthem, and that appears to be the case. Um, we can make comparisons, for perhaps, if we want to. But I was wrong about Old Man Sky and Sea of Thieves, man, because my trashing of both those games, listening back, was based on launch. It was not pre-launch. I didn't know anything about those games pre-launch. It was the fact that they were so incomplete um, at launch, and my mistake, looking back, other than making a snap judgment, was not realizing that these games would get multiple releases, multiple chances, but mo- more so the guts, as we say, like with Destiny, right? Which, let's be honest, took a few years to get going. The guts of Old Man's Guy and Sea of Thieves was not rotten. And so they could build on that with content. The guts of these Bioware games have been increasingly rotten. They've been in buggy since uh, Dragon Age Origins and Mass Effect 2, which are their best games by far, were years ago and considered two of the best games of all time. Those games were buggy, Ethan. And the fall- and all the Bethesda games have been buggy. So the writing was more on the walls for those. These mid-level companies, games I didn't really hear about till they had come out or were almost to come out, I was wrong. I was Sea of Thieves and Old Man Sky. I'm very sad to be wrong about Bioware because I do love Dragon Age and Mass Mass Effect. And as you know, I thought Andromeda turned out pretty well. I like Dragon Age Inquisition less than most, most, but I didn't think it was a terrible game. I still put 20 hours in. I put 55 in Andromeda, which was a series I already liked better to begin with because I played it it patched an hour after release. But then reading Jason Trier's book, man, and now reading Jason Trier's uh, article in Kotaku, which you should all read all 11,000 words or listen to any major good video games podcast and they will talk about Jason Schreier's article because that all is all anyone is talking about is the absolute failure of Anthem, which any of us should see and I saw coming um, uh, and it is even worse than I could have imagined. Fallout is about as bad as I imagined. This is even worse than I could have imagined. Um, 
But Ethan, let me ask you, and you can add anything to the intro of this story. Again, because we went so long on the other topics, guys, I read Schreier's article or, or your favorite podcasters or, or, um, or, or writers online talking about Schreier's article if you don't want to do all 11,000 words or listen to his, you know, 30 minutes talking about it on his own split screen podcast. It's great. He doesn't shorten form for his two co-hosts um, who had read the entire version. So you can add the Schreier article, Ethan. But Ethan, I have a theory that the... the, the Let's put it this way. The skepticism over Anthem, which was already there, was highly magnified by the nostalgia and love uh, 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 over the older Mass Effect and Dragon Age games. And as a lead-in to this multi-part question and very difficult and sad but complicated issue, what Schreier didn't have in his book at the time, by the man, by the way, man, um, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, when he talked about the Dragon Age Inquisition, was that, in fact, most people in Bioware wanted that game to fail because of how rotten it was. And then they wanted Mass Effect Andromeda to fail because how rotten the corporate culture was. And it still didn't fail bad enough. And to the point where EA slash Bioware is still in denial over Anthem and blaming Jason Schreier, the media, and everyone, we should have a more positive attitude about everything and that would make the game better. I don't know where to start with this mess. I don't want, if you want to talk about Schreier's article briefly, that's fine. But I'd rather talk about corporate culture in general, about why all these companies are suffering from expectations that they set too high, resting on their laurels, mixed with working their employees way too hard with crunch, which is the topic we've been teasing for a while. So I'm going to let you start anywhere on this issue that you want, um, because I, 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 it, it's really sad and depressing, but I've been seeing this coming since you and I started doing this podcast, not just with this game, but with a lot of games. Um, and so I'm just going to throw it to you, and, and you can uh, go off on whatever you want about the t- total failure of Anthem and the either mass exodus of people at Bioware um, and just uh, the, what seems to be a toxic corporate culture at EA that is bleeding down to Bioware but is also happening at other companies, and go. So, so first and foremost, we 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 want to clean the slate, and we want to make clear what what's the issue here. Here's the issue with Anthem and Bioware. And first and foremost, we need to clarify a few things. EA, I can shockingly say, was not the bad guy in this scenario. Frostbite as Engine, two words. Frostbite EA. Engine, they're all their fault. They wanted to no, use Unreal it, Engine. No, it was actually it was actually reconfirmed that Bioware made the choice to use the Frostbite Engine. Okay. If, if Schreier so or someone of his level has confirmed that, that's fine. But we know with Battlefront and other cases, the people have not been thrilled to use the Frostbite engine. But keep going. Right. But, but so, so let, let, let me clarify. So once and for all, we can really without a doubt say that 99% of the issues with this game are Bioware fault. It is Bioware's fault that the game is like this and no one else's responsibility to that. What Jason's article does is he, in a quick fashion, so I can summarize it, about what went in it. He interviewed 19 employees of Bioware. Some of them still working there, some of them not. Some of them still on stress leave, I believe. Um, And this game was just a shit show. From the, the whole development was a shit show from start to finish. Over the six years, this game was in development. Yep, and we're going to talk about until, development versus production in a little bit, but not quite yet. Keep going. It, it, it wasn't until anywhere from nine to eighteen months 
So I, uh, less than a year to a year, a year and a half before the game launched in February this year, 2019, February 2019, that the game actually went into production. So think about that. Right. For over four and a half years, this game was in pre-production. That is insane. Even for the video game world, that is insane. I cannot imagine. That, that's actually a slight misnomer. Wasted on this game. Sorry, it was in production, not pre. Pre-production is like storyboarding and throwing ideas yes, around. It was in correct. production was pre- for five years. I'm sorry, it was in de- oh. uh, development. Oh. oh, I see what you're saying. I see what. You- oh, you're saying it was even worse than that. They were just talking about it for five years and saying it was in development. They oh were, my god! They, they were throwing darts at the board for four and a half years. Unbelievable. And now they have a crying room. They actually have a room called the crying room, guys. At least one at the company where people just go to cry because of how horrible it so, is. So they spent they spent so much time on pre-production for this game, they couldn't even figure out what they wanted. And what happened during this period was there was nobody. So from from what we understand is there was basically they, they had no clear vision for this game when they were developing it. And that came from a lot of re- like they were like and we can like make it a survival game, or we can make it like a story game. Like, they just couldn't figure out what they wanted. Could you talk to do. briefly about uh, what he reported was the initial idea, the survival idea? Because I did not know that at all. Until I don't. I don't. Ha- I don't have it here in front of me. It, it, it's, it's not even. It's, it wasn't even reported that well. It was just. Okay. It was some vague uh, idea that they had. So just for our listeners, but we, you and I know what a survival game is. Compare what a normal survival game is to what Anthem is. Based on what Anthem is now, Anthem is a quote-unquote looter shooter, if you can even call it that right now. Uh, I call I call it a broken piece of shit is what I call Wait, it. Wait, but it's not Destiny? Um, Why the fuck would I play that? <laughs> Sorry. Um, that went into my equation, by good. the way. That, was, that went into my prediction equation a year and a half ago, even though I was just getting to know your obsession with Destiny. It was like, okay, they've got a tough mountain to climb because I played Destiny in early 2014 when it first came out, and this is a lot of years later, so yeah. It, 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 so, so a, a survival game is basically just you, you have you've limited supplies, and death is will come for you if you don't if if you don't get more supplies to survive. That that's the bait, and sometimes that's combat elements. Is that what Kojima's like, game is supposed like, to be? Is like he's, he's, have, he's is he trying to apply the stealth and di- difficulty of Metal man. Gear Solid? You're a mailman in Death Stranding. I have no what the, I have no idea what the fuck that game is about. Anyway. Hmm. Um, not, not 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 to dismiss that, but I I, I kind of want you to. Do no, this. I I, I um, <laughs> it could go anyways. I don't think anybody has any idea what that game is. Fucking if Days Gone like, sucks, then we'll see. Because that's supposedly a game. survival game. Okay, so Resident Evil, had, old Resident Evil. Think oh, guys out there. Sorry, guys out there. A game you would know if you're my more my generation. Think the original early Resident Evil games before they just became shooters. Those were like early China, survival yeah. games. No, it was. It's a Resident Evil One. Like it was not a modern Resident Evil game. That's why everyone wants them remastered because they're way better and they're just different. Yeah. So the, for the majority of this time, you might not shoot no in a survival game. What they wanted yeah. to do. And this was only reinforced by the idea that they had no proper leadership. They had no one at BioWare among their staff who was clearly the person in charge, clearly the man with the grand vision, clearly or woman, whatever, um, clearly the person who was directing and telling everyone this is what we need to do and get everyone to back behind that vision. They had no one doing that. And that's incredibly important. Mm. Um, they kept starting from scratch rather than reiterating 
on the process that they were of the game design process that they were already going through. So instead of reusing things that they had already created, they just kept starting over. Um, and this is really quick, Keith. This is what my guts argument is, is that I could tell from the beginning that both Destiny, just like Assassin's Creed, both of which were flawed or in their earlier versions, the guts were not rotten in those games. And that's why I know Assassin's Creed is the game you have to pay for every year, and it's not an MMO. But if you think about the yearly release and the slow but positive iterations in Assassin's Creed, there's actually more in common between Assassin's Creed and Destiny than Destiny and what is even possible with a disaster that's rot at its core like uh, uh, Anthem, go ahead. Um, In fact, Ubisoft, that's why Ubisoft, I think, is, side note, why Ubisoft is nailing it with Division 2 is because they've been using yearly iteration as their model on Far Cry and Assassin's Creed for years now. And they both of those, you know, I mean, uh, it, it's not a coincidence, I think, that, again, I don't think Division's going to end up being the most loved or played of all time, but its flawless release it has to be related to the relatively flawless releases of, of so, Assassin's Creed and Far Cry over the last however many years. So during this time, there was uh, there was a lot of uh, structural office politics, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not too uncommon in the gaming world. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of office politics. And so there was a lot of uh, conflict between teams A and team B for the studios um, where team A would continuously uh, look down upon uh, team A, which was like devs of the Mass Effect series, devs of Dragon Age. Would look down on other t- uh, look down on Team B, and Team B was uh, devs of Kotor, the Old Republic games, etc. And this is huge because, so I, I believe Bi- it, Bioware Edmonton is people who developed Anthem, and that's Team A. And Team B is Bioware Austin, and Bioware Austin has been running and creating a live service game for years hmm. with Kotor and Knights of the Old Republic, and instead of taking their advice, the people who made a live service game, they just they deflected it. They refused to listen to the things that in live service games don't work. Because obviously, T- uh, Bioware Edmonton would be much better at making story content, right? Because that's what Dragon Age and Mass Effect games are all about. Mm-hmm. But when Bioware Austin was saying, "Listen, you need to tone down the story a bit because that's not what that's not what live service, not what looter shooter games, that's not what these games are all about. Mm-hmm. That's not their main focus." You need to turn down the story and make it a much better experience this way. They just didn't take their advice on these types of things. That makes this game a lot worse, right? So you, you, you had this conflict with uh, within within the studio. All right, bud. So this is a huge issue and one that we want to talk about a lot. Part of the reason I pushed this off till the end was because I've just been listening to so much about it. It's so depressing. It's not t- Total Biscuit dying, but it is depressing. And these people's lives are, you know, in shit right now. Um, and the people, as usual, whose fault it is, and this is for me, the bizzle, my opinion, the people at the top are cowards, liars, no accountable pieces of shit who are overpaid, don't care about their employees. And so, Ethan, um, we're going to have to teach that we're going to do a, a, a mini podcast on this in the next few days, right? Once you and I have finished the Schreier article and some of the pieces around it, because um, we want to give it the time it deserves, and we just don't have the time today. But I want to say, read Jason Schreier's piece from, um, I think it was April 3rd or 4th or 5th, about unionizing in video games. I agree with him a thousand percent, not just because he's Schreier, and he's the only one that any one of these companies trusts to give out information 
Um, but he's an extremely rational guy who loves the makers of games. And because of that, the heads of these companies hate Trier because he's always going to take the employee side just by reporting the truth because they are the one who's suffering. It's not that he hates you guys. It's that he's just reporting people are suffering and the CEOs are not the one who's suffering. Maybe they are in some cases in different ways, but not here. I agree that they should unionize. Um, and I also want to point out that EA responded to Schreier's article before they could have humanly read it. I believe it was like 12 minutes. Oh, it was minutes. EVA. It was Bioware. It was Bioware. I'm sorry. Be- okay. Bioware uh, released their non-response response. You know, you guys are at fault. It's not us thing. Uh, before they physically could have read all 11,000 words. Someone timed when the two went up. It was less than 15 minutes. So they had, yeah, they had been prepared because Schreier prepared them because he's a good guy saying, I'm going to write this article. Here's your chance, guys, to be on record. Nope. Instead, they prepare... A, a piece to try and ruin Trier's reputation. Uh, as I throw it back to you, Ethan, for your final thought, uh, we know that trashing Jason Trier always works in your advantage in history, right? Yeah, 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 right. Like, <laughs> it's, it, I'm sorry, like, like just, 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 just as a quick TLDR. Yep, like, and then we'll wrap if, it up. If, if, Thanks if for being on. If you're not going to listen to anybody else, like, here's, here's, here's the information you need to know. Bioware done fucked up. It was EA's fault. It was Bioware's fault. So don't like like as much as I would love to just blame it on EA, I can't. I honestly can't. This is all where the buck stops. Where does the buck stop? It stops at the top of EA. They are responsible. Kathleen Kennedy's responsible for Lucasfilm. Bob Iger is responsible for Disney and all Disney sub studios, uh, and so is EA. Let let, 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 let me reclarify. It's not it's not EA's fault that the game development side of the package was not... Uh, but it is their responsibility, and they're shirking their responsibility. It's their responsibility. Yep. They're shirking, but, it. shirking, shirking, shirking. Okay, okay, okay. So they lost, then they lost, like, what? Like a $300 million investment? That's on them. Great. Woo! No, they're going to unionize, uh, and Trier's going to lead them. You just watch. I bet you... I don't know if he'll say yes, but I guarantee they beg Trier to be the leader of the union because he'll be someone from the outside who knows all of them and knows what's up. Anyway, let's discuss this. At, so, okay. In our, in Ethan, thank you for life. being on. Um, to miss your parents. I'm going to just keep talking here for a minute or two. Um, but uh, can we promise the Bizzlecast listeners maybe sometime this week we'll do just like a quickie 20, 30 minutes to just talk about this stuff? Tomorrow? Cool. I can do tomorrow. Awesome. I'd rather talk about two hours for this topic. Awesome. All right. All right. So we'll, we'll, you go eat, um, and I'll wrap it up. I really appreciate you being on. And as listeners, as listening to this, we might actually be recording or planning the recording of this podcast. So we'll be doing this soon. Thank you, Mr. Ethan, underscore, uh, L underscore Fedorable on Twitch. Check him out. Uh, he's pretty good at Destiny. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. So um, we went on much longer, and Ethan had to run a bit uh, quicker. No, we just went on really long, and <clears throat> we actually uh, a couple minutes ago there, you could probably hear a break. Well, we we went off mic, and we're just like, you know what? We we are not going to have time uh, to do this issue justice. Um, and so we'll definitely be delivering this to you as soon as possible. But in the meantime, search Jason Schreier Kutaku to read or skim his amazing 11,000-word uh, dissertation on why um, it, how this happened. Um, we didn't even really talk about the guts of the issues, but if you search Anthem Bioware employees, it's pretty horrifying. But just follow Jason Schreier and definitely check out if you just want the big picture stuff um, and or or to supplement the nitty gritty, 
head over to his op-ed released April 4th. That's three days ago, four days ago um, in the New York Times. It is excellent. He is very clear um, that uh, they need to unionize, not because they're underpaid, but because they're way, way, way overworked. I mean, this is the digital 21st century version of Lewis Sinclair's, you know, meat grinding factories in the 1930s or whatever with no oversight in the middle of this country. Um, and, uh, you know, people are breaking down as bad mentally as you, as happens physically uh, and mentally in, in jobs that you would not think are associated with things like the video game industry. But in fact, it's a big mess. Also check out uh, Jason Schreier's Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Um, but he's already working on the sequel. And the sequel, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels is like a great, fun, kind of short look at like 12 mostly great games, a couple that didn't come out, like a Star Wars game and so forth, uh, a couple that failed, but mostly games like Pillars of Eternity, Dragon Age, um, and so forth, that succeeded in various ways at various times behind it. But even in that book, he starts talking about them being overworked, and it's a miracle these games ever come out. And now with more and more public failures and fallouts <laughs> in these situations, it's, it's becoming quite clear which is great. I can support a company like Bungie. Ethan never gets tired of hearing that, even if he claims not to care. Uh, it's easy to support Bungie with Destiny 2 because I love their product, and the company was great when they are independent, and I'm so thrilled they're independent again. But definitely check out Trier. And if you listen to any great podcasts, like the Co-Optional Podcast, Trier's own split screen, uh, Kotaku Split Screen Podcast, or the uh, ladies who are my favorite, over two, three, four ladies, depending on the week, um, Brittany and Steimer and a couple others. Um, God, they're, so, they're just uh, chill, cool, funny girls. Uh, what's Good Game? Check them out um, and uh, follow all these people online. Follow your Twitchers. Um, again, we never uh, tried shit on anything people love, um, but we have to we have to talk about what's uh, what's going on. So thank you guys so much for checking this out. We'll be coming back at you even sooner than usual on our uh, full Bioware, uh, EA, Schreier, etc. Fallout story. Um, but have fun playing games. I'm going to probably go play some Destiny 2. Thank you so much for joining us. May the Force be with you. I've been the Bizzle. Uh, but for now, the, the Bizzlecast is indeed out.